I'm Buddy Earls with the Wrecking Crew Ranch in Rado and Spata, Texas, and you're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories. Calf and yearling prices are hitting all-time record highs. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. As we talked about in yesterday's show, male sterile sorghum is becoming a popular choice for Texas High Plains farmers who grow sorghum for silage. I'm James Hunt, and coming up in today's edition of Texas Ag Today, we'll have a word of caution about seeding rates. California's new rule on pork production could create chaos in the national marketplace. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. Now, here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. We are seeing the highest price on calves that we've ever seen in history. Calf prices hit $4 a pound at many auction markets recently, and they continue to climb. Bill Martin runs Lone Star Stockyards in the Texas Panhandle. Carrie, the market is just on fire. It really doesn't matter the weight, but especially on the lighter cattle that can turn back out. Our, uh, our big yearling cattle, I think the USDA reported them as four higher on the seven to eight weight cattle that go into the feedlot. And our calves, you could call them five to ten higher, you know, and it was that much higher two weeks ago. So, um, yeah, we had some 600-pound steers bring three dollars had some uh, three weight steer calves bring in four and a quarter by the pound looks like there's no end in sight for these lightweight cattle there's not enough of them and uh, people got to have them four and a quarter did you ever in your lifetime think you'd see calves bringing that no i mean even some two weight calves uh we sold as as ropers weighing two and a half that bring uh eleven twelve hundred dollars so uh, how is that affecting the runs? you think that's pulling a lot of cattle into the barn that may not normally be sold? You know, we're really seeing the cattle that we typically see right now. A lot of these cattle have been held over um, after weaning in October. They hold them over and run them on cake and grass and hay. And uh, a lot of the guys, unfortunately, didn't have their dryland wheat pasture didn't make, so they didn't have a way to turn them out. So they're just coming off of grass, and they're really – really green condition and they just uh they don't see the the pasture coming yet so it's it's kind of time to go somewhere with them before they have to lock them up and feed them well i know cattle producers have to be happy with these prices how are the buyers reacting you know the the buyers were kind of slow to respond to these higher prices but now everyone's kind of convinced that this is the market this is what it's going to take and they're all participating we're our buyer demand has just been outstanding. Well, Bill, what are you expecting for the next few weeks? Do you expect these prices to hold? I think the market's going to hold. Uh, you know, it could be five lower and nobody would really notice. Uh, 
I don't know how much higher it can go, but, um, it, you know, these guys that, ha- that have their hands on the cattle that they've held for a while, they're, they're in the driver's seat and they're really enjoying it. You know, hopefully they'll put some money in the bank this year and hopefully our rains come and, um, they, they get some weight on the ones they have left. Well, Bill, everyone's keeping an eye on how many heifers are being sold versus retained. What are you seeing? You know, the females are in huge demand. That's probably the thing that we haven't seen yet is a huge heifer retention. Um, and some of it is because they're bringing so much, the guys are happy to take the price. But that's that's probably the next thing we have to look forward to is at some point we're going to have to start breeding these females and get them back out in the pasture. Hey, what about the slaughter cattle, cows and bulls? Um, what's the market like on those? Uh, we didn't have many yesterday, but we had a few bulls that brought uh, $1.25 to $1.35 by the pound. Um, some of these guys are getting more for a salvage bull than what they cost when they were young. Uh, females are bringing from 95 to $1.20. Uh, seeing lots of three- and four-year-old cows going back out to get rebred. Uh, that are selling by the pound, and they'll bring a dollar twenty, thirty, or more. Um, yeah, demand demand is great for everything, all, all prices, all classes. Any uh, bread cows or pears come through this week? Not not very many. We just had some handfuls of older cows that would kind of bring. Uh, they would bred five to seven months, and they'd bring fourteen to two thousand. Um, had a few that were a little bit younger that were a little shorter bred that brought 2200 uh you know the right kind of cow a good young black cow that was three four years old would probably bring bring around three thousand if we could see him that's bill martin with lone star stockyards in wilderada outside of amarillo thanks a lot bill appreciate the update thanks so much for calling carrie you have a good day The Texas mohair industry brought in more than $2.8 million last year. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, 58,000 Angora goats and kids were clipped in Texas last year. That's up 3,000 head from 2022. That pushed mohair production up 14,000 pounds to 329,000 pounds. The average clip weight for 2023 in Texas was 5.7 pounds. The average price of mohair fell 40 cents last year to $8.60. USDA estimates Texas mohair production at $2.83 million. That is down $6,000 from 2022. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Five Texas farmers are suing Sinagro, a manufacturer of biosolid fertilizer made from sewage sludge. The farmers allege the product has affected their health, contaminated their water supply, and left their fields and livestock with dangerous testing levels of PFAS forever chemicals. The farms involve five individuals who live or own property on the same county road near Grandview, Texas, about a half hour south of Fort Worth. The fertilizer was made from sewage sludge that Sinagro bought from the Fort Worth, Texas water treatment plant. The PFAS levels on the farms involved in the lawsuit are significantly higher than EPA drinking water standards. Forage production is increasing in the Texas High Plains thanks to the growth of the dairy industry. James Hunt tells us that means more farmers are using male sterile sorghum. 
As we talked about in yesterday's program, male sterile sorghum is gaining popularity among Texas High Plains farmers who grow sorghum for silage. A key benefit is the fact that male sterile sorghum does not produce grain, which allows the sugars produced by the plant to remain in the stalk and thus provide a more effective way to deliver soluble carbohydrates to cattle. Certainly a big positive there, but going back to my conversation with Brent Bean of the Sorghum Checkoff, there are a couple of things that Dr. Bean told me he wanted to clarify. I'm hearing people wanting to use a lot higher seeding rate than maybe they use on the other, and I would caution against that. I don't think the data is there to show you're really increasing your yield much by doing that, and you're probably increasing your chances of lodging. And so I would be hesitant on that. Uh, There's some confusion of the male sterile versus photoperiod sensitive sorghum, which also in our region doesn't produce grain because it just stays in the vegetative stage. It just keeps growing until the day length gets short enough that it triggers it to go reproduction. And then three, four weeks later, it heads out, produces grain. Those are really two totally different types of sorghums, photoperiod sensitive versus male sterile. And they're used differently. Uh, And so I personally don't particularly like photoperiod sensitive for silage production. The hay production is a different story. But again, kind of a lot of details to discuss there, but they are different and don't confuse the two because they're different. As Dr. Bean suggested, there are a lot of details to discuss. And if you would like to know more, you can contact him through the sorghum checkoff. In our next report, we'll get an update on the sugar cane aphid. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. California's new rule on pork production could create chaos in the national marketplace. Jessica Domel has the story. U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack says that California's Proposition 12 could create market chaos if Congress doesn't act. The secretary discussed the proposition, which bans the sale of pork in California if it's not raised according to state standards, at a House Agriculture Committee hearing. The reality is this, that when each state has the ability to define for itself and for its consumers exactly what farming techniques or practices are appropriate, it does create the possibility of 50 different sets of rules and regulations, which obviously creates serious concerns for producers because they have no stability and they have no certainty. I'm not sure that this Congress is going to be able to pass legislation with due respect, but I would suggest that if we don't take this issue seriously, we're going to have chaos in the marketplace because there's nothing preventing any state from doing what California did. Now, why did the Supreme Court decide what they decided? They decided it because they believed that each and every producer had their own choice to participate in this market. They basically said it didn't violate the Commerce Clause because it didn't discriminate against any particular producer. Well, the problem, I think, is that it didn't anticipate the impact of of 12% of the market changing the rules on the entire market. And I think that there's risk of that occurring all across the country. Having said that, it is a little bit difficult, however, to create consistency within this Congress and within this country on this issue of states' rights. Because if you apply this standard, then you're going to have to discuss some of the more difficult issues, social issues, guns, abortion, etc. So I don't envy the Congress trying to figure this out. I will tell you, though, that if it doesn't figure it out, there's going to be chaos. Proposition 12 bans the sale of pork from hogs that don't meet the state's new production standards, even if the hogs were raised on farms outside of California. Agricultural groups, including the National Pork Producers Council and the American Farm Bureau Federation, 
argued at the time of the rule's implementation that if California law stands, then other states can set requirements, making it more difficult for farmers and ranchers across the U.S. to meet each state's varying production standards. Committee Chairman G.T. Thompson of Pennsylvania told the secretary Prop 12 is costly for both pork producers and consumers. Preliminary data from a pending study at USDA's office of the chief economist shows that prices of certain pork products have risen as much as 41% since the implementation of Proposition 12. A 2023 study found that the costs associated with Prop 12 are, quote, widespread and extensive, end quote. That same study expressed that, quote, these costs have a more severe impact on smaller independent operations and that the stresses placed upon the entire production and marketing chain will lead to ever-increasing consolidation and concentration of the industry, end quotes. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Supplemental feeding of livestock continues in Texas even though the winter temperatures have warmed up. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report on Texas Ag Today. And the control of insulin levels in horses is related to the amount of carbohydrates in the diet. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up. These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas size weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're heard on over 140 great Texas radio stations. This is Texas Ag Today on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Supplemental cattle feeding continues as winter temperatures warm up. Tom Nicoletti has more. Even though the winter temperatures have warmed up somewhat recently, ranchers continue providing supplemental feed, including hay, to their cattle. Ethan Patton is a cattle producer in Swisher County in the Texas Panhandle. Well, we're doing all right. I run a lot of red top cane and, and hay grazer, and then I supplement with alfalfa. Um, when the weather gets really bad, I like to kick some alfalfa to the calves and just gives them a little extra boost. Seems to really help them out. What type of cattle do you run? I have mostly black Angus with some Kianina. My kids, they got a little group of mini Herefords that we're starting out with. Obviously, you're feeding your, your cattle uh, the hay. There's really not much there for grazing purposes, right? I have some irrigated wheat pasture that I was able to get, get to growing pretty good last fall before it kicked off real cold. They're working on that. Uh, they're working on it pretty quick. Obviously, it's not going to last very long. That seems to really help them. And then uh, I just have some, some grass pasture that they're working through as well that's going to keep them going. Okay, including the uh, supplemental hay that you'll feed them. Yes, sir. Hay and, and protein, protein supplement. Um, obviously, the coming into the, the last trimester of the cattle getting ready to calve this spring, so it's, it's pretty good to, to keep pushing them. 
What about the health of your cattle? Uh, Got to take care of their health so that no diseases set in. And oh, we're doing really good. I do a little bit of respiratory vaccinations, and that that seems to seems to really help them in this situation. When when we vary the difference of temperatures, going from sixties and seventies, and then the bottom falls out, and we get down in the single digits, that's hard on any living being. But when you got animals that are living out in it, obviously they're going to be more susceptible to, to getting illness. Those comments from Ethan Patton, a cattle rancher in the Texas Panhandle. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The control of insulin levels in horses is related to the amount of carbohydrates in the diet. But Dr. Bob Judd says protein can play a role also. Horses with equine metabolic syndrome are insulin resistant. and This increases the level of insulin in the blood, which can lead to laminitis. For this reason, horses with equine metabolic syndrome must be fed low levels of non-structural carbohydrates, or NSCs, and this is fairly common knowledge. However, recent studies have shown that increased insulin can also occur after a meal high in protein in rodents, humans, and horses. The staff at Ohio State indicated that horses with insulin dysregulation regulation should be fed low NSC grass hay at the rate of 1.25 to 1.5 percent of the horse's body weight. Soaking the hay can decrease the carbohydrates but can also decrease vitamins and minerals and hay is generally low in protein. So it is recommended to feed ration balancers to these horses to supplement protein, minerals, and vitamins. Protein requirements are fairly low in horses and protein deficiency is not common and some ration balancers can increase the protein levels above normal. And these high protein meals have been associated with with an exaggerated insulin response, as one study indicated a high-protein meal with 31% crude protein caused a nine-fold increase in insulin in horses, with insulin dysregulation compared to normal horses. It has been shown that specific amino acids can increase blood glucose, which increases insulin secretion. Also, dietary protein and amino acids have been shown to be robust activators of rapamycin signaling at the tissue level, and prolonged rapamycin activation can result in insulin resistance. If you have a horse with insulin resistance, be careful about feeding excessive protein. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We'll check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. Sometimes you love them, sometimes you cuss them. Here's a look at the markets on Texas Ag Today. Live cattle closed lower on Thursday, falling back from highs we saw earlier in the day. And I'll say cash cattle trade this week has been delayed as we await the release of the cattle on feed report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. We can expect that report on Friday. February live cattle down 47 cents to 183.50. April live cattle down $1.15 to 186.55. 
March feeder cattle up 70 cents to 252.05. April feeder cattle up 77 cents to 256.70. Boxed beef was higher Thursday. Choice up $1.39 to 299.19. Select up $1.23 to 285.69. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Cousin Brian Lentzman, Seguin Cattle Company, sells sheep and goats and cattle on Wednesday. Cousin Brian, how'd it go? Uh, sale turned out real good, Larry. Uh, ended up with 524 head of cattle. It's that time of the year where a lot of these cattle still got good condition on them. Then you see some of these coming in here. I mean, they are as fleshy as can be. So, you know, they, there's a big swing in the market on price-wise, but they're still dollaring out the same dang thing. So, but I mean, it's good. Those two to three weight steers, 344 to $4. Three to four weights, three dollars to four twenty. Four to five weights, two eighty-two to three forty. Five to six weights, two thirty-five to three twelve. Six to seven weights, two twenty to two ninety-five. And seven to eight weights, here's two dollars to two thirty-five. Get to the heifer mates. Two to three weights, two seventy-five to three twenty. Three to four weights, two seventy-five to three thirty. Four to five weights, two thirty-nine to two ninety-five. Five to six weights, two twenty to two seventy-four. And six to seven weight heifers, one eighty-nine to two forty-two. Top end of the Packer cows, dollar twenty today. Uh, had a few palpate cows, six hundred to twelve seventy-five, and top end of the Packer bulls, dollar thirty. So, like I said, cattle market just fantastic. Sheep and goats ended up with five hundred twenty-eight head of those today. Uh, a little bit better on the uh, sheep and goat market today. Uh, those good nannies up to two hundred twenty-five dollars with the good kid goats bringing from two thirty to two ninety-two, and those good Dorper ewes up to one hundred eighty with the lambs bringing from two to two eighty-five. So, like I said, even the sheep and goat market looked a little bit better today. So nothing to complain about on my end. Good deal. Well, tell everybody how to get in on the good prices and the good selling of uh, cattle and sheep and goats next week there in Seguin. You can give us a call at 830-379-9955 or you can call me on my cell phone, 830-305-0652. We appreciate you. Thank you. And neighbor, we'll see you tomorrow for another Walk in the Pens on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Good day to you. April lean hogs up a dollar twenty-two to eighty-seven twenty. May lean hogs up ninety-seven cents to ninety thirty-two. February class three milk down two cents to sixteen sixteen. March class three milk up seventeen cents to seventeen fifteen. March cotton up hundred and sixty points to ninety-four twenty. May cotton up hundred and twenty-three points to ninety-four forty-six. Due to oversold conditions, corn traded lower Thursday. March corn down five to four oh six. May corn down five and three quarters to four eighteen and a half. March hard red wheat down three and a quarter to five seventy four. May hard red wheat down three to five seventy one and a half. March natural gas down three cents to one seventy three. April natural gas down two cents to one eighty three. April crude oil up sixty four cents to seventy eight fifty five. May crude oil up 60 cents to 77.91. The Dow up 465 points to 39,077. The S&P 500 up 105 points to 5,087. The Nasdaq up 459 points to 16,040. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.